Welcome to the Hope United Podcast, where we're creating a culture of worship, family, and discipleship. We hope this message challenges, inspires, and gives you hope today. If you like this podcast, remember to share and subscribe. Father, thank you, Lord, for the journey that you're taking us on today. Thank you, God, for the journey that you're taking us on in life. And we pray that as we open up your word today, that you would speak something into us. God, let us hear something that's substantial, that's practical, and will help us lead a life that is successful in your eyes. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen. Well, welcome, welcome today. I believe God is doing something powerful. Anybody feel God's presence in the place? Um. We started last week on this new series called The Greatest. If you didn't hear it, you can go back and listen to it on the podcast. We started this discussion on greatness. What does it look like? What does it mean to be great? What are the attributes of greatness? Who has it? Who doesn't? What really makes someone great? And There are various ways that our culture defines it, but I'm actually more interested in how God defines greatness and heaven's perspective um, in many ways and and many times is very different than how we view something. And so Jesus came to give us a better picture of what greatness looks like. So we're going to take a look at God's viewpoint on greatness as we continue the series, The Greatest. And um, today I want to talk to you about getting small to get big, getting small, to get big. This is what Jesus said in Matthew twenty twenty six. Um, we see this servant perspective in the statement when he told his disciples, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. The greatest among you must be a servant in Matthew twenty three eleven. So we, we talked about that last week. But also I see something that jumps out at me besides servanthood that makes us great. And I see that the greatest in the kingdom is not just a servant, but they're also somebody that's humble. And and Jesus modeled this humility in his life. Humility can be so very powerful, but it's oftentimes overlooked. We overlook sometimes the greatest keys to spiritual growth. And oftentimes we just gloss right over this principle that has the power to take you from where you are right now to some of the greatest places in the kingdom of God. Humility, we have to get small to get big. In the kingdom of God, we have to get small to get big. If you want to be great, you have to be humble. The example that we see in scripture is humility. Scripture tells us God gives grace to the humble. Let's look at it in 1 Peter 5.5. 5. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God will give you grace if you're humble. But what does this grace look like? You say, okay, God gives grace to the humble, but what exactly is this grace that we're talking about? Well, grace in this particular place is defined as joy, satisfaction, favor, benefits, and rewards. God gives grace to the humble. God gives joy, satisfaction, favor, benefits, reward. All this grace comes from, you guessed it, humility. 
when I'm humble, when I get myself small, then and only then do I become large in God's eyes. On the other hand, we have pride, right? Proverbs 16, 18, pride, it says, goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. So humility elevates and pride destroys. I want us to really wrap our heads around this. Humility elevates, because this is a contrary to natural thought. Humility elevates and pride destroys, right? Pride goes before destruction, Proverbs 16, 18, and haughtiness before the fall. So if you want to be promoted, be humble. If you want to be elevated, be humble. If you want to be like Christ, be humble. The more humble I become, the higher I can be elevated in God. The more humble that you become, the higher that God can elevate you in his kingdom. Humility is the key, is a very important key to growth in God. As I become smaller, he, could, he becomes larger in me. The more humble I become, the higher that I can go. If you want to be promoted again and again, become more and more humble. Go on a journey. Allow the Holy Spirit to take you on a journey of humility where you become more and more humble. You make yourself smaller so that you can be larger in God's plan. The smaller I crush my ego, the more God's virtue can be displayed in my life. The more I can reduce my ego, the more I can expand the purposes of God in me. I have to get small so that I can get big. Become humble so that you can become great. This is the counterintuitive nature of the kingdom of God. This is what confuses the logic of man. Our natural thinking is just overwhelmed sometimes by these spiritual principles. You're telling me that to be great, I have to be humble. Yes, absolutely. And for many people, it just doesn't compute. It doesn't make sense to them. Because it's not a natural concept. It's a heavenly concept. To get small, you become big. To become small so that I can become large in God's eyes. Become small so I can become large in God's plan. It's a heavenly concept. If you want to become big in the kingdom of God, you must become small in your own eyes. The smaller your ego is, the bigger God's purpose can become in your life. This is an important journey that God wants to take us on, to be the greatest, the greatest that you can become, the greatest in the kingdom of God. You know what? This right here that we see is temporary, right? This whatever 80, 90 years that you have on this earth, it's temporary. But what we have for eternity, we'll ask the question, were we great upon the earth? You see, I'm not playing the short game. I want to play the long game. This is the game that says for the rest of eternity, I want to be someone that is considered great. I want to be great in God's eyes. I want to be great from heaven's perspective. So I'm going to get small to become big. God can do tremendous things through you if you can become humble. As I decrease my footprint, he increases his footprint through me. This is how John the Baptist said it in John 3, 
30. He said, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. This is a key. And then Jesus turned around later about him and said, he was the greatest. He was the greatest. But then he said, look, the pattern that he set, the greatest in the kingdom of God will even be beyond John the Baptist. Why? Humility is this pattern that John the Baptist was showing and establishing. But he said those that follow in the footsteps of the humility of John the Baptist will even be greater in the kingdom of God. It's a key. It's a key that John the Baptist was showing you. And Jesus was pointing it out. Look, follow the model of John the Baptist. Follow the mold that John the Baptist was setting with being humble. Jesus comes down. Jesus says, baptize me. He said, nope. I'm not even worthy to do that. He says, no, you, you still got to do it. The humility that was on John the Baptist. Are you the one that we're waiting for? No, no, I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy that God is using. I'm not the guy. I'm just a guy. Right? So many times we get this perspective and somehow we pick up an ego on, along the way and we say, yeah, I'm the guy. No. Learn how to say I'm a guy. I'm somebody that God is using. If you can just be somebody that God is using, that's more than enough. That's more than enough. And I think John the Baptist understood that, that he, if he could just be a guy that God used in the timetable of the earth, that's good enough. It was more than enough. Is there a place in your life that you are too big? Is there a place in your life that there's just a little bit too much you and not enough space for him? Is there a place in your life that you're full of you and it needs to be reduced? That's the question I'm asking. I believe that's the question that the Holy Spirit is asking us today. I believe sometimes God is standing at the door knocking and there's this moment and he wants miraculous things to happen. But sometimes we're just too full of ourselves. There's not enough space for God to come in and operate in our life. It's like God is ready to do something. God wants to do something. God is standing at the door knocking. But even if we were to open the door for him... There's too much of us occupying the space, not enough room for him to maneuver. And so he waits at the door. The Bible says he stands at the door knocking. Jesus stands at the door knocking. God stands at the door knocking. He's standing at the threshold of the door waiting to come in and move miraculously in your life and cause transformation to happen. But sometimes that area of our life is too full. And off the time, it's full of us. It's like kind of like the courtesy smile, you know. Um, when somebody's telling you something, you don't completely agree with it. <laughs> and you don't want to be rude, so you just kind of... Um, <laughs> I'm not really jiving with what you're saying, but I'm trying to be courteous. How many times does God stand at the door ready to do something profound in our lives? 
and we give him courtesy, but not surrender. You see, God is not looking for courtesy from us. He's looking for surrender. He's looking for us to give him space. I'm saying, God, I will surrender this space so that you can occupy this space in my life. I'm willing to throw some things out of the room so that you can be in the room. I'm ready to throw some or circumcise some of me and cut it away so that more of you can fit in this space. God doesn't want our courtesy. He wants our obedience. Too many times we're given God the courtesy smile. He speaks to us. It's clear what his expectations of us are, but instead of doing what God is requiring, we give him the courtesy smile. We go through the motions. We do the minimum requirements. We open the door, but we don't really make space for him to actually come inside. If there's an area... If there's an area that you've been expecting God to move in your life, but he hasn't, I challenge you to ask yourself the question, have I made enough space for him to move in my life? Is there something I need to surrender? Is there some of me that I need to get out of the way? Stop and ask yourself, have I given him space? Space to move. Yes, in theory, God could barge into your life and move stuff around and move you around. and Sometimes he does that, but it's rare. If we're honest, it's rare. Many times, it's exactly what Scripture says. He stands at the door knocking. I've got a miracle for you. I've got something better for you. I've got a direction that will bless you, but you're not seeing it because you won't let me in. The pride has blinded you. Caused a barrier. And God stands at the door knocking. God is waiting on us to invite him into our circumstances. God is waiting for us to ask for help. God is waiting on us to move so that he can move. We move and then he moves. We move ourselves out of the way so he can move into our circumstance. This is what James said in James 4, 8 says, come close to God and God will come close to you. So one of the ways actually that we come close to God is by getting us out of the way so that he can get in to our circumstance. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He wants to be invited in. God's Spirit is a gentleman. He wants to be invited into the circumstance. And so we have to make space for Him to move. Yes, He does want to do miracles on your behalf, but it's up to us to make room for Him. It's up to us to set an atmosphere for Him. Ever notice what happens when we begin to worship? And we begin to worship, the temperature in the room changes. The atmosphere in the room changes. It's modified so that God can move in a more profound way among us. So we're changing the atmosphere of the room because we want to invite him in a deeper, more profound way into this moment. 
So in our lives, what am I doing with the atmosphere so that I can invite him in in a deep and more profound way? Well, right now what we're talking about, one of the ways to set the atmosphere is cutting away some of our ego. Cutting away more and more pride to make room for more and more breakthrough, to make room for more and more miracles and favor. And maybe you're not full of yourself. I, I'm, not, I'm not supposing that. Some people may be. You know, turn, turn to somebody and just check and make sure that it's not them. I'm not saying that this is always the case that somebody's just full of themselves, but maybe it's just an internal conversation that you're having with God. Maybe it's just a pocket of your life that you haven't surrendered and there's just ego in that particular area. And God is moving in this other area, but this one area is saying, why won't God move in this area? Pride. Maybe there's not pride in every area, but there's pride in this pocket. And you're saying, why will God not move in this particular area of my life? Pride. We have to release humility in those different areas of our lives. And make sure that the reason why God is not moving is not us. Oftentimes, let me tell you something. We think we're waiting on God. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to be surprised how many times that God was actually waiting on us. He's waiting on us to change. He's waiting on us to be obedient. He's waiting on us to circumcise the flesh. He was waiting on us to have less pride and ego so that he could enter in and do something miraculous. Do something profound and be like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I was waiting for. I want to tell you this though. Pride will always limit God in your life. When we keep on doing what we want to do instead of what he's asking us to do, we are not making space for him. It's that internal argument that we have with God sometimes, that inner struggle where we're giving him courtesy, but we're not making any changes. We're trying to negotiate with God. Anybody ever tried to negotiate with God? I have children. They try to negotiate with me all the time. Sometimes as God's children, we try to negotiate. He tells us, this is what I want you to do. Sometimes I tell my children, I want you to do the dishes. And then they try to negotiate what that means. Well, do you mean all of the dishes? Or just this last plate and spoon that I put in? No, I said do the dishes in its entirety. Are we negotiating with God? Are we having an internal dialogue with God where we are not doing what he's asking us to do? Because somewhere in our heart we think we know better. Pride will always limit God in your life. Pride will push God out of different areas of your life. Sometimes it's the smaller areas of pride that are the trickiest. Being full of pride is easy to spot. Somebody comes up, they're full of pride, you're like, man, you got to work on that. Other times it's a little bit more subtle because it's not all over their life, it's just in one or two areas. But those one or two areas, it's like the miracle never comes because why? 
The pride blocks the manifestation of God's miracle. Those areas, those pockets of pride push God away. You can be praying for breakthrough in an area, but if you have too much pride in that area, it limits what God will do. Pride will limit the movement of God in your life. Is there pockets of pride in your life? Pockets of pride are like an area over here or over there that we're arguing with God. We're trying to negotiate. Not trusting God that He knows what's best for us. It's a little bit arrogant, right? Not trusting Him that He knows what's best for us. It's kind of arrogant. Not trusting our Creator, not trusting our Savior, not trusting our Heavenly Father. It's a little bit prideful, don't you think? And that little bit of arrogance keeps God from moving miraculously in that area of our life. How many times has God told you to do something that you thought you knew better? Like children, we think we know better than our Heavenly Father. Not on everything, just on this pocketed area, just on this little space over here. God, will you know my situation is a little different? Will you know my backstory, God? Well, you know God knows my heart. And we negotiate with God. Well, I would do that, but you know, my family is kind of like this. My job situation is kind of like that. I, I know what you're saying. Sometimes God is speaking through somebody around you and you just keep making excuses. Internal dialogue. Internal argument with God. Humility makes one great. Pride makes one poor. Humility makes one great, while pride will make you poor. Pride pushes God out of areas that he wants to help you in. Or you could say it this way, that where there's pride, God will not stay. God isn't going to be... In the same area with pride, it says God resists the proud. So regardless of how you view it with the pride pushing God out or God stepping away, it says God resists the proud, James 4, 6, and 7. God, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. God resists the attribute of pride wherever it pops up. So either pride has to leave or God has to leave, but God's not going to hang out with pride. We have to decide what we want in our life. Is my pride more important or is closer fellowship with God more important? Is the pride more important? Is my ego more important or is the miracle breakthrough more important to me? Am I willing to get humble if it means breakthrough? Think about that for a second. Am I willing to be humble if it means getting God's best? Am I willing to squash my ego to receive God's best? You can even see this playing out in the world. Somebody climbs the ladder of success because of their gifting, but then they fall apart when pride gets the better of them. Master your ego or your ego will master you. 
Reduce the pride if you want to become great. An out-of-control ego is like setting off a bomb in your life. Pride is a destroyer of lives. It's a destroyer of marriages. It's a destroyer of the home life. It's a destroyer of careers. Pride is a destroyer of your relationship with God. Pride is a destroyer. But humility, wow. Humility is a key that will take you to the highest places in God. Humility will take you to the highest places in God's kingdom. It will keep you close to God. It will make you great. It will make you truly great. Will you close your eyes with me? Let's pray. God, I thank you for what you're speaking to us today, how you're sometimes nudging us, sometimes really challenging us to cut away the pride, the ego that holds us back, holds us back from greatness. You want your sons and daughters to be great upon the earth. You have a plan for us, a plan to prosper us, a plan not to harm us, but to give us hope and a future. A plan to make us the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, the lender and not the borrower. Your plan is to make us the greatest. But it's the pride, it's that ego that so often holds us back. God, let us see it for what it is. Let us have the courage Let us have the audacity to cut away those things that are holding us back. God, let us see the beauty in humility. Let us see the beauty in receiving that grace upon our lives. God, that's what we want. And God, as we go throughout this time and this series and this week, God, just continue to give us the download into our mind, into our spirit what it really means to be humble, what it really means to be great. And as heads are bowed, maybe you say, Pastor, I'm not where I need to be with Jesus. I really, really need to reconnect with him. I've kind of drifted, but I need to know that I know that I'm where I need to be with Jesus. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I really had a real connection with Jesus, but I want to connect with him today. I want him to be in my life. I want him to be the center of my life. If either of those are you, just slip up your hand. I want to pray with you right where you are today. Amen. 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 The most profound thing that we can ever do in our life is to say yes to Jesus. Or to say, oh, I messed up, but I'm saying yes again. I'm re-upping today. If you slipped up your hand, I want you to say this prayer with me. And everybody, you can say this in agreement with me. Jesus, I surrender. I surrender my pride. I surrender my ego. I don't want to do it my way. I want to do it your way. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for wiping all my sins away. And giving me a fresh start. I can't thank you enough. Jesus, I need you. 
Lead me. Guide me. Help me be more like you. Take me on a journey. Never leave me. Never forsake me. Walk with me. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. I want to tell you that if God is with you, who can be against you? And if Jesus is in your corner, you will be undefeated. God bless you. Thanks again for listening. If you like this podcast, remember to share and subscribe. For more information or to connect with us, go to hopeunited.church. And remember, if God is with you, you will be undefeated.